Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Welcome. It's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. We're going to change things around slightly. Tyler Perry admits we have the audio. He could have, in fact, been forthright about Monique not being difficult to work with. We have this and a lot more. And we have an in depth exclusive interview with Monique and Sydney, let me take you to some of that audio first. Here it is. If Monique asked Lionsgate for a favor and they told her no, and they asking she's asking for a favor that is not contractual, not something that they're contractually obligated to do, and they told her no, but then she went and told the world how difficult that they were, do you think that that would be fair or unfair? No, that's not fair. It's not fair. No, so, so, so the question, so pardon, pardon me. So the question I would ask of you, good sir, because I appreciate you being honest enough to answer that with a relative quickness. I really do. So the question that I would ask you is this. If we should do unto others as we would have them do unto ourselves, the question I would ask is, how do you sit back or how would you feel if someone said about you that you were difficult to work with because you didn't want to perform for them a function that you were not contractually able or obligated to do. How would you feel about that? As, well, as I said, that's not fair. If I bring a movie, if I bring a movie to, for Monique over there, I'm going to have to say it. I'm going to have to defend it. I'm going to have to fight it. Well, it's easy. It's easy because all you would be doing is telling the truth. You are six foot six black man. Come okay? on. Mo you, you, you. I, ain't got, listen, I ain't got no problem, man. I ain't got no problem. Trust me when I tell you. I ain't got no problem. Well, that's why we saying then. Then say it now. Say it now. Say it now. I'm black and I'm proud. Come on. James Brown is counting. I'm saying it now. I will let all of this fool off when I get back out on the press. Put up the picture for a man. So let me give you a quick background and then I'm going to go to Sydney and Monique. Put up the picture for a man. Several years ago, 
Rowling had obtained a never before heard phone conversation between Monique, her husband, manager, Mr. Sidney Hicks, and Mr. Tyler Perry. Monique aired her grievances with Perry on the tape. This was a call, a conversation before the subject came up during the Club Shay Shay interview with the big homie Shannon Sharp. In the recording, Tyler Perry admits that the quote, difficult to work with brand, which has been attributed to Monique, was completely unfair. The movie director also said that he would pay Monique additional money for the movie, Precious, something Monique says never happened. Perry also heard is heard admitting he believed Monique should have been paid to promote the movie Precious overseas, a point Monique has made on multiple occasions, but received harsh criticism from many. Now, today, the record gets straight again. Cindy, Monique, welcome to the show. How are you both? Hey, Brother Rashad. How you doing now? Good, good, good. But I got to tell you, I don't know where y'all coming from, but wherever y'all coming ahead into, y'all damn sure look good. All right? Just okay. for you, brother. Come to see you. <laughs> Um, this was interesting. So my team and I, we reviewed the audio. There are some very telling things inside of this. It, it almost felt like a, a movie drama. Uh, there were points of understanding, points of clarity, uh, points that made you say WTF, uh, points that made you uh, root uh, for the unity that seemed as if it was definitely going to happen. And I want to be very fair and very open about this conversation. Um, so before we get into some of the recorded elements here. Uh, Monique, if you would provide the background as to why this conversation happened, why you recorded it. And to my understanding, you waited a year or so before you ever released it to anyone. So talk to us about that. The backstory is, Rashad, I uh, did a joke when I did the Apollo on Mother's Day. And I said that those people, Oprah Winfrey, Tyler Perry, Lee Daniels at the time in Lionsgate. I said that they could do some things that was uh, explicit, right? And they were the reason why I was blackballed. We get a call from Tyler Perry. And the reason why we recorded it, Rashad, because we knew if we didn't, it would totally be my word against Tyler Perry's word. And because Tyler Perry is, I'll say, powerful, who would they believe? this powerful movie director, writer over this fat black woman, who are they gonna believe? So that's why that was recorded. So while we're talking to Tyler Perry and he, you, you hear the recording and you say, it sounds like it was almost when we hung up, no one was mad, no one was upset mm -hmm. because we took him at his word when he said, when my movie boo comes out, I'm gonna take, you know, I'm gonna take care of this. Well, that never happened. And we waited, like you said, we waited a year before we said anything because we wanted to see if that brother was going to keep his word. Let me follow up with this. In that one year, while you're waiting on the, the movie, um, you know, he did, he did not want to disrupt the, the flow of money, uh, people patronizing the film. You all seem to be respectful of that. Uh, there's no comment, no direct communication afterwards. Was there some level of communication via text message or, or anything? Uh, Sidney, and I go to you as, as the manager in the manager company. Uh, was there any official communication between the Tyler Perry camp uh, and management or you specifically? Um, if, if I may just go back and I'll mm -hmm. definitely answer your question. 
Okay. In reference to what you asked initially, what spawned the call? What actually spawned the call was we had done our podcast, Monique and Sydney's Open mm-hmm. Relationship. He heard that podcast where Monique and I were discussing um, the challenges uh, that you know took place associated with the movie in conjunction with uh, the things that took place in her life. Um, he uh, reached out to some folks at the radio station and tracked my number down. So we weren't expecting his call. So when he called, that's when, and he started talking because he said he heard the, you know, the podcast, his heart went out. Um, at that moment, that's what prompted us to record him. Uh, as it relates, if we fast forward to that year in between, there were no text, there was no commentary, there was nothing in return. And uh, I may have shot one or two, like, hey, what's happening, to, to no reply. And um, that pretty much was it. I think most people, Monique, will understand the cause and effect of how this impacted your career. But if you could, just give us the scenario from your point of view. What did Tyler Perry do? And what ripple effect did it have in Hollywood? Well, when you say that we're difficult, when you say that about a black woman in Hollywood, as we saw what happened to our sister Janet from uh, Fresh Prince, when you say that it puts the nail in the coffin because now nobody wants to touch you, nobody wants to work with you because you're supposed to be difficult. And my manager husband, he's difficult. So to say, what did it do? It it shut my career down to a place where I knew we were affected. I knew that there was a major impact on my family financially because of that rumor and lie that was told. I want to go to this first clip. I have a few of them. We're going to go through them sequentially. Here it is. You've not answered that question. That's a very simple question. I said to you earlier, Sydney, that that wouldn't be fair. I wouldn't think that that was fair. But what would you want to be done, sir? What would you want it fixed, Tyler? How would you want that fixed? And how would I want what fixed? Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. My husband is that part of our team that he has the business conversations. I'm the part of the team that you saw May 13th on the stage. So what I would ask you is, because you're talking in Tyler Perry language, I would ask you to let Monique talk to Medea. Because when you start talking in Tyler Perry language, brother, you talk like you don't get it. Right, you gotta laugh at it, cause you know, because you know. Let me tell you, let me tell you, Tyler, when you, when I watch your movies, when I watch your movies, I dig Medea. And you know why I dig her? You know why I dig her, Tyler? Because she could be your mother. You know why I dig her? (laughs) You know why I dig her? Because that bitch is real to her gut. During this part of the conversation, and I want to remind people it was Tyler who reached out. During this point of the conversation, it seems as if he's well aware that he has some level of you know, he's been complicit and wants to make it right. And there are recommendations that you all are making. And then you all put it on him to say, listen, Tyler, what would you want someone to do for you if this happened to you? Am I correct on the assessment so far? Absolutely. Okay. 
All right, um, let me go to, and producers, we're gonna go to um, clip three. And this is where um, uh, Monique uh, talks about the dynamics associated with, um, you know, with the rest of it. Here it is. And she don't give a high come out. She don't give a high taken, but everybody knows she love you, but she gonna tell you the real See, when you stepped away from Medea and you became Tyler Perry, the billionaire, this is the conversation you're having. Like, well, guys, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? See, you a brother that slept in your car. And you needed to fight for you to get you up out the goddamn car. See, your mama that you love so dearly. See, this is when I know that the, the, the powers that be and everybody saying on the radio and everybody saying on the media, oh my God, it's Oprah and Tyler. They're the ones that can employ her. Why ever would she say it? Because I love them. That's why I'm saying it. Because I'm tired of reading the stories a hundred years from now where we had to go through this. And we watch our brothers and sisters die and suffer in silence and in poverty, and we know they was right. So what I'm saying to you is, Medea, make Tyler's ass step his ass up. I'm talking to Medea right now. Medea, I need you to pull Tyler's ass in the back and say, baby, you watching this sister and you watching her family starve. You're watching it. And you're saying, what do you want me to do? Listen, don't you play with that baby like that. You know this y'all did was wrong to her. You gave them four hundred to five hundred thousand dollars to charity, and you know that bitch got fifty thousand dollars. Where's my pistol, Brown? Where's my pistol? Cause I need to shoot this. Now I'm not gonna kill him. I'ma shoot him in his ass to let him know Medea's mad as right now. Right. See, that's why I'm talking to my brother. Uh, Tyler Perry understood every single word of that. Uh, he was. <laughs> he, uh, no, listen, <laughs> and, and so he he then it is interesting. Uh, he offers to write a check, and I thought this part was very interesting in the recording. Uh, here it is. So I appreciate you calling me. I do. I appreciate you calling us. But when you call me, what you gonna do? I'm gonna call and find out what whatever money is coming in for the person, and I'm gonna send that to you. I'm gonna send it over to you. Whatever it is, I'm gonna send it to you. I'm gonna write you a check, money. Seriously, where we are right now, and what we're trying to do. We, we, we got some opportunities that a lot of those people didn't have. So what, what I don't want you to feel one day, not one day, is that you were mistreated or that you were treated unfairly. Now, if that means that, that I, I, that's what I need to do, then, then you, you do that. You do that. You take that and, you, and, 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 and take it from a place of love. Let me tell you where I'm going to take it from. Let me tell you where I'm going to take it from. I'm going to take it from its business, and I'm going to take it from my brother saying, listen, yo, this is what y'all was supposed to get. Here's what we're saying is, when you say, I don't know what it's supposed to be, but I'm going to send you the check. Listen, not charity, brother. What's not going to take place on our watch is this. I wrote a check for something that came in, and it's one of those things where you're missing the point. And we believe enough in the universe to understand that, listen, when a person come to you sincerely with understanding what it is that you're talking about versus just saying, I'm going to find out what it is and I'm going to write a check. This is the way that this is being done. It's like, don't throw us no chump change because we had to go through a movie audit with Lee for monies that he didn't get. And they're saying that he did something with the money from the movie. Okay. These are the things that we had to deal with. Okay. Now, 
Uh, and I want to say this to be fair, I have significant respect for what Tyler Perry does and the contributions that he has made generally to Atlanta and beyond during holidays, et cetera. This is not about that. This is about truth. This is about a false narrative being corrected. Uh, and here on Indisputable, we stand upon that. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Now, before I go to the next clip, Sydney, I want to go to you because I clearly heard you step in and basically say, we we don't want a check from you. Uh, We don't want your money. Uh, We don't want a contribution. We want fairness. And restoring, and there was another part of the conversation where Monique talked about just restore basically what was ripped apart because you all can earn in Hollywood without the barrier. And you don't need a contribution. You need a significant, significant element of truth that comes to the forefront, which was once again admitted to in the conversation. So Sydney, I go to you first about that. What made you jump in and say, we're not, we're not going to take a contribution from you? Because what that means is we write you the check, we're good. But mm-hmm. that same barrier that was put up falsely still exists. We're not supposed to comment about the check. We're supposed to not comment about anything else. You wrote us and you bought us all, and now we're quiet. The same people that we present ourselves as publicly, that's who we are privately. So um, to, to have a man of his alleged stature, whatever you consider his stature to be, try to buy us off and keep things quiet, essentially, is how it felt. Uh, there's a level of astuteness to business that me being the Negro husband that people oftentimes underestimate. And for us, we we saw that coming, if you will. And just the level of integrity as it relates to money, it's not the end all, the be all. We're going to be all right. That's how we looked at it. But what will make us better is your restoration of the imagery that you projected about this black woman. Monique, what did you want Tyler Perry to actually do? Because uh, obviously you didn't want a contribution either. What I said on the phone call, apologize. You put that out there publicly that I was difficult to work with. You put that out there publicly. So I need you to publicly apologize. That's it. That's all we were asking Tyler Perry for at that time. At that time. We just want you to apologize, brother. Whatever monies you were talking about from Precious, uh uh-uh. Apologize. Give me back my name. Give that back to me. I worked hard for that, Rashad. I worked hard in my career. No one ever can tell you about any any difficulties they had with Monique until this movie, Precious. No one has a story until I started saying no. That's when it became a problem. So at that time, what I wanted from Tyler Perry, Oprah Winfrey, 
Lee Daniels was a public apology. So, yeah, go ahead, brother. I was going to say, and you can tell the value of an apology, uh, the net worth of an apology as it relates to what it means to a person because Tyler Perry is a man who's been known to give uh, rides on his private jet. Uh, He writes checks for homes that burn down, which is a very noble act. Tips to waitresses, $3,000, all of these things. But you mean to tell me something that you don't owe, you write a check for, a million dollars to Cicely Tyson for all the wrongs that she experienced. But a free apology for the wrongs that you commit, you mean you cannot do that? So the importance of an apology kind of speaks to it's it was more valuable than the check that he could have easily written. So far, um, as we you know count the record, um, Lee Daniels has apologized uh, to Monique uh, in a very public and emotional way. Um, we've also had Charlemagne the God apologize. Actually, he's apologized multiple times. That 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 apology was not the first time he said he was wrong about what he said and how he jumped on that bandwagon. Uh, and I have to submit people like that to me are very courageous in those moments. Uh, it's not easy to do things like that, especially positions of leadership and popularity. So now we are here. I'm going to play this um, recording. This is the final recording I'm playing on the show today. Uh, and Tyler Perry basically agrees. Here it is. The community is involved and they want to see how it's going to play out. Because the community is saying, wait a minute, y'all, hold up. We don't know this sister to be no. We know she a loud mouth. We know she is say some off the wall. But what we know about it is she true to a word. And all I would ask you is one, two questions. The first question is, did you not just say it was wrong? Tyler. Did you not just say it was wrong, Tyler? To say she was difficult? For not doing something that she was not contractually obligated to do? Did you not say that you would feel that that was wrong? Or or am I missing something? I I, I, I absolutely said that, yes. And I'm I'm listening to Dr. Bing in a minute, because I just watched your podcast, and it it really really broke my heart, because number one, I feel you. I feel feel the sadness that's from you in all of this. And I don't want you to feel that, especially for me. I can't speak for anybody else, but for me, I'm not anyone that wants to hurt or offend anybody, especially you. I think you are brilliantly talented. I think you should have a lot more happening than you won that award. I thought for sure that if you had campaigned and wanted and played by their rules, what would happen is in the next deal, you would have gotten more money, millions of dollars, and your career in the film would have been much different. I believe that much in your talent. So, so in, in saying all of that, in saying all of that, I just, I just say it's just, it's just heartbreaking because I don't ever want you to think that I'm not black, kind of black ball. I say anything, but please give me what I say. This. I'm not trying to hurt you. I will never try to hurt you. Okay. Um. You know, I, I believe Tyler Perry is a good man who is influenced by some extremely negative things. Leadership matters in moments like this. Leadership matters. You can be good lack leadership and equate to looking bad. Um, so from that conclusion and the summary of the, of the statements that were made, Sydney, I'm going to go to you first. 
What did you conclude was going to happen after that conversation with Tyler Perry? There's a clip that I believe y'all have that actually has him saying that when he went out on his next promotional tour for Boo, Mm -hmm. that that's when he would say something in reference to uh, making it being known as it related to Monique because he was sure they would ask him. They didn't play in that one. So we were under the impression that that's what he was going to do. Monique? Same thing. Yeah. Like, when we hung up that call, Rashad, it wasn't, I hate you, and it -hmm. was okay. It was, all right, brother, all right, sister. And one of the things he said, and this is where, for me, I take issue, okay? I take issue with a brother that goes to a church and lays hands on T.D. Jakes. And when he lays hand on T.D. Jakes as if he's anointed through Jesus, T.D. Jakes then does the Jesus shuffle. And then he writes T.D. Jakes a check for a million dollars. I take issue with that because when we're faced with this, as you're supposed to be this anointed man of God, but you know what you said and you know what you said you were going to do and none of that happens. See, when I start seeing things like that, Rashad, for me, that's fraudulent. That's that's it's like, what are we doing? And it's happening right before our eyes. Like for the people that's listening to this right now, they hear Tyler Perry. They hear this man saying what I did was wrong and I'm going to make it right. They hear it. But because we get caught up oftentimes in our community, it's who the messenger is if you're going to be heard. It's it's, it's what, is, what does it look like? Who's delivering this message? And as my husband said to me years ago, mama, it's going to catch up. Mm-hmm. It's catch up. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to a quick break. When we come back, we're going to play the rest of that clip. All right, we'll go to a quick break. We'll come right back. All right, welcome back. Now, as promised, the absolute most dogmatic, affirmative, yes, I'm going to do it. You are right. Just give me a little time. Statement made is here. If Monique asked Lionsgate for a favor and they told her no, and they're asking, she's asking for a favor that is not contractual, not something that they're contractually obligated to do. And they told her no. But then she went and told the world how difficult that they were. Do you think that that would be fair or unfair? No, that's not fair. It's not fair. So, so, so the question, so pardon, pardon me. So the question I would ask of you, good sir, because I appreciate you being honest enough to answer that with a relative quickness. I really do. So the question that I would ask you is this. If we should do unto others as we would have them do unto ourselves, the question I would ask is, how do you sit back or how would you feel if someone said about you that you were difficult to work with because you didn't want to perform for them a function that you were not contractually able or obligated to do? How would you feel about that? Well, as I said, that's not fair. If I bring a movie 
if I bring a movie for Monique over there, I'm going to have to say that. I'm going to have to defend it. I'm going to have to fight it. Well, it's easy. It. It's easy because all you would be doing is telling the truth. You are six foot six black man. Come okay? on. Listen, I ain't got no problem, man. I ain't got no problem. Trust me when I tell you. I ain't got no problem. Well, that's why we saying then. Then say it now. Say it now. Say it now. I'm black and I'm proud. Come on. James Brown is counting us. Basically, uh, I, I would do it when I go back out in these streets after this movie. Uh, right now, it's a little too hot, uh, but I will go out here and clean it up. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, and that to me, was that was that joyous moment I was telling you about. You, you, you're happy to, to feel and see the unity. For context, Monique, remind people what year we're talking about here. Yeah, 2016. Mm-hmm. 2016. Yes. And you waited over a year. Uh, and there there were attempts made to connect with Tyler Perry to say, okay, but, you know, a year is gone. Movie, box office, all that's over with now. Um, we need you to do what you said you would do. Uh, naturally, there's this push that says, oh, you know, Monique is is dishonest about what Tyler Perry said he was going to do. No, she was not. And see, that has to matter somewhere. Even if you don't like a methodology of, of, of how the communication went, if you don't particularly like some of the other dynamics, you can't say, but I don't like truth. That what you just heard on this show is truth. Deal with it. Deal with the truth in all aspects. So now, fast forward, we're in 2024. Have you all reconciled? Has there been a follow-up conversation since 2016? Has anything happened? Has Tyler Perry called you yet? No. Then he hasn't called us yet. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, and no one, and I'm asking this to be thorough. That's all. No one from the camp, no liaison. The only nobody. person that has apologized is the person that I had a contract with. And that is Lee Daniels. Yeah. That's the only person that's apologized. Not Tyler Perry, not Oprah Winfrey, no one from Lionsgate. No. And how is that not telling that the only person who apologized was Lee Daniels and she had a deal with him? But Mm -hmm. Oprah and Tyler are teaching seminars on resilience and forgiveness. And the only thing that they seem to be resilient at is not taking ownership of what it is that they were a part of regarding dismantling this black woman's career. You know, there's an ebb and flow in life. And sometimes we have to be very intentional about making sure we we match the universe because there's an ebb and flow of the universe. And I tell my college students this very often, um, especially my physics students. When we position ourselves in a particular leadership fashion, we think we are the the professor, the teacher, the lecturer. But every true professor, every true teacher, every true lecturer knows this. You are a forever student because life itself is your teacher. All right. Um, At this point, it's out there, full truth. 
has been exposed. A lot of truth is happening. The earth is vibrating in a particular way this season. A whole lot of truth coming out. So where do, what would you like to happen after this interview? What are you open to happening after this interview, Monique? You know, Rashad, in 2016, we said give us an apology that was free. Okay. It's now 2024 and Tyler Perry has cost me and my family millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars, based on his words, based on what I should have been paid for my next movie and the next thing coming up. So at this point, Rashad, yes, Tyler Perry, you need to not only apologize, but you need to pay for that because you admitted to it. See, it's something different. If it's just my word against his word, but you admitted to what you did was wrong. You told that the other director a lie. And you was very free in telling him that lie. So I know that it did not just stop with David Talbert. More stop. Right. It didn't start or stop with David Talbert. And Tyler Perry, um, he really had an out with David Talbert. But he went on to tell him how difficult I was because he asked David Talbert, how was it to work with Monique? David Talbert said it was exceptional. She was a joy to work with. At that point, that was his out. Mm -hmm. But then he went behind him and said, oh, that's not the experience I had with her. She was difficult. And it was hard. So when you had your out, you didn't take it. You still went behind a man that said I was exceptional to work with to try to what, discredit me. To speak and say, oh, she's difficult. And we all know what that word means in a business called Hollywood. Yeah. Um, everything's being highlighted now where black women in particular not being paid anywhere near their value, being undervalued for decades, obviously, in the industry, women in general, black people collectively. Uh, these dynamics are industry dynamics. It's not as if the, the rich people who made billions don't have money. That's just what they say. And they're very good at calculating things in a particular way. And, and these studios are very good also at co-opting certain people to become apologists for their misbehavior. Um, I'm glad that you all are willing to come on the show, tell the truth. We will bring updates, obviously, as they come. Um, any final words to those who are watching? If you're in a situation where somebody's taking advantage of you, don't be so much afraid of speaking out about the one taking advantage of you. Be afraid of not speaking out because of the continuance of them taking advantage of you. And with that, thank you both for being on the show today. Thank, thank you, you, Brother Rashad. Thank you. All right. We got more on the other side. Stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We still have a lot of show left. Let me read some of these comments. I know I got a lot of them. We'll read as many as I can. Um, Colin Hutton, thank you for that. Doc, I love bullpen. I wish Karen Wood playlist on the Indisputable YouTube channel. We did that intentionally, just so people can binge. All right, I binge on the stuff myself. It's amazing. Uh, so yes, you can just go to our YouTube channel and find the uh, playlist for bullpen, all the debates, interviews, and then naturally. I wish Karen would. Great content for a rainy day, I gotta ask. Is Jesse Lee Peterson the only person you kicked out of the bullpen? I think so. Jordan, have I kicked anybody else off the show before? 
He thinks I have. Okay, so I correct the record. It looks like I have kicked somebody else off the show. I just can't remember who. All right, <laughs> we'll, we'll update that. Are you, I think he's writing it down. While he writes it down, I'll read. Larry Walker, 98, thank you for that, Larry. We appreciate you, man, so much. Thank you. And wow, here we go. James Moneybag Thompson gifted a lot of indisputable memberships. Walt Dragon, Andre Jackson, XZen, uh, Wendy Sanders, Sarah Leela. Layla, Mark, Karon, Hay, Max Sims. I wish you Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a In Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. I'm sorry. Private property, you. What are you, an icon user? I don't give a This is private property. Do it again, there'll be holes. I'm not doing it again. I'm sorry. Are you with that guy? Who? I don't know. Somebody out there. I don't I don't know. That guy. I have every right to protect my private property. I, I, I'm sorry, I, I didn't know, there was no signs, I didn't see a sign. Whoa, that's a good ender. Shotgun pointed right at me. Helmet ain't gonna save me from no shotgun. Wow, I thought it was like smooth sailing, we're dropping this road, get out. Oh. Shotgun, yeah, shotgun pointed right at me. I know, right? This is my aunt, my last run on my trip. Right. About to get blown to smithereens. <laughs> well, at least he had a great attitude about it. Put up the picture full mass. Okay, um, hell of a thing. So this, according to the narrative, a snowboarder who's at a lodge for snow, uh, snowboarder. A boarding, excuse me, made a mistake. He apologized, left without causing a scene. Um, and this individual says, "All right, private property. I don't see any no trespass signs in view of the of the camera." Uh, and the individual said he himself saw no trust, uh, did not see any trespass signs. And then naturally, the owner of the land, the alleged owner, said, "There's another person on the land. Well, maybe they didn't see a no trespass sign either." Uh, and because he's next to a place that actually allows them to snowboard, uh, they thought they were probably not trespassing. So attorney uh, Dina Dahl, I have to pose some questions to you legally, okay? So initially, you could see the man coming out with this shotgun. There's a guy basically you know, snowboarding. And I remember in my law school classes, um, unintentional trespass. There is no sign that says no trespassing. This is a mistake. This is an accident. You you don't go to jail, or you're not supposed to be killed um, for unintentional trespass. So explain the law to us. Uh, and was was there harassment here when the man with the gun started pushing an individual as he was leaving? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, it's it's so bad. It, this just talks about the guns in America too, right? Yeah, the Supreme right. Court. 
The Supreme Court is hearing today whether or not they're going to allow the ban of bump stocks, which is what was used in Las Vegas. I mean, this is the state of America. So and we've seen people get killed, right, for showing up at the wrong door, all sorts of stuff. So the snowboarder was laughing, but it really is life and death. And in terms of the trespassing, there possibly there was a sign he just didn't see. But it is interesting because, yes, you have a right to defend your property. But you also are at risk if there's something on your property that somebody gets hurt, right? Then you are neglig- then you are liable for the negligence of that, even if they weren't supposed to be on your property, let's say. Yeah. So this is that little bit of an in-between. And it really does come down to was there a sign, how visible the sign was. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, you would think being shot at would be like a, a risk on the property that could be possible. So uh, this intersection between the stand your ground and the fact that guns are so dangerous and mistakes happen, people are losing their lives. And yeah. it's really disturbing. And people are being prosecuted for shooting somebody inadvertently. So the, the homeowner should, you know... It should not be so willing to shoot somebody, especially if it looks like he's adjacent to a public snowboarding. So right. you would think it's definitely going to be reasonable for somebody to come onto your property. Exactly. And you know good and damn well, none of those individuals have a gun on them. And they are not there to harm you, all right? So having a more visible sign probably would be an option. And to your point about someone going Onto uh, a property, committing trespass, getting injured on that property, and the person who owns the property is liable because that the public policy of that is you don't want people creating booby traps on their land, and if they do so, they will be criminally and civilly liable for that. But the irony of it is, if somebody knocks on your door, you think that they are dangerous just by your own subjective standard of danger, you shoot them. All of a sudden, there's ambiguity about if you should be prosecuted or not. But if you would have killed them by way of a booby trap, you go to jail. The irony of the law. Okay. Um, Well, you know, anti-Karens unite. This is called the power of franchise ownership. Put up the picture full mass. Uh, he wasn't having it. According to those who were president and those who posted, uh, the patron was acting very entitled, okay? Impatient. And the food service worker stood up to the abuse and told him, get 
the out. I have to say, because we've covered so many of these, where the, the Karen goes in rude, aggressive, demeaning, uh, many times to children, by the way. And when that action goes unchecked, they go behind the counter. We've reported on that as well. They commit physical assault. And then they get away with it a lot of times. Nobody knows who they are. There was no license tag obtained, and they go home. The only kind of justice you have is court of public opinion. But this was a turning of the tables. Uh, the individual who was at that, at that cash register I obviously understood exactly how to deal with Karen's in the restaurant. So, uh, Dina Dahl, I have no issue with what happened here because uh, the manager has the right or an owner has the right to enforce trespass. When you have acted out of line, they can tell you, you got to leave now. And if you don't, that's trespass, right? Absolutely. And we've covered this a ton during the pandemic when people wanted to go and shop without masks. And then they tried to call 911 and say their constitutional right to shop at Target, <laughs> <Right>. let's say, <laughs> was being infringed. Those were the days, right? That was hilarious. And it's kind of like it's too absolutely a private shop is able to refuse service to anyone. Uh, you, If you're obnoxious, if you're interfering with their business because this person can't step out of line and let other people order, the manager is allowed to ask the person to leave. So clearly he was doing his rights. And it, and it, and I do think that all of that pandemic um, era of when the customer service people just got such bad treatment from so many of the people complaining about the mask, et cetera, et cetera. I, I, I you, you, at some point, do have to just stand up and say no. Like enough is enough, and it sounds yep. like this guy did that, and good for him. Yep, there you go. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. All right, welcome back. Good to be with you. Always good to be with you. Let's see. We got a lot of comments. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Um, Lynn, perhaps more places of business need to change the sign to read no shirt, no shoes, no Karens. <laughs> we got, we have to make these signs. We have to. All right. Or you do. Promise you they'll sell. It, that's the one thing a conservative said to me, Dr. Richie, the one thing you and I agree on is carrots. That's it. We agree we do not like carrots. All right, um, Lady FT, thank you for that. Uh, sorry, Doc, but as much as I respect and admire you, I can't get behind Monique. And I'll be honest and admit, it's just a gut feeling. Uh, and I get that. That's why facts are important, right? People had certain feelings about what may have been said, what Tyler Perry may have said. So. We get an opportunity to actually look at the facts, what was said, what wasn't. And we can tell who told the truth and who did not. Uh, James Thompson, uh, thank you, James. One, my mother has a, a service, 11 a.m. Saturday. Uh, two, your peeps are <laughs> the best, dedicated to Phyllis A. Thompson, um, 62530, mother, four grand, 14, uh, 14, wow. Then 43, even a great, love y'all. Thank you for that. Uh, and we love you, all right? Larry Walker, 98, thank you. Um, beautiful stuff, thank you so much. And, yeah, Ron Moore, talking about the mayor care. I dub these deliverance daring, dueling banjos intensify. All right, um, we told you what happened. Uh, a political candidate running for office saying that she will actually win. 
uh, Hitler praising, neo-Nazi is going to uh, basically export <laughs> Jews and a whole lot of other racist stuff. Very open about it, put it up full mass. Massachusetts, Laura, Laurie Kaufman. Ms. Kaufman is one of the candidates to represent the Boston area district in Massachusetts, Republican parties, state committee. I'm going to explain something to you in just a moment about that. She is, in fact, a proud neo-Nazi who has pledged the mass expulsion of Jews out of the United States of America. Once again, Republican, she will post on X. Don't forget, I'll likely get voted into office on March 5th. Long-term goals are to ban same-sex marriage, never should have been legalized. And trans will be illegal. Talking about just American people who are in the trans community are going to be illegal. However, that would work, I guess, in her mind. Then she says, yes, illegal. According to the local Boston outlet Universal Hub, Kaufman, um, who is from Dorchester and running in the first Salford district in the RSC, quote, divides her love between Kanye West and Hitler and blames a COVID-19 shot for giving her stage four brain cancer. She has posted a meme of herself holding a payphone with words, hi Hitler, it's 2024 here and we're requesting your assistance, <clears throat> okay? Per the report, Kaufman had been running as a ticket with the state commitment candidate and Croke Park owner, Daniel Kelly, but now hates Daniel Kelly because he publicly supported Israel. Now you gotta remember, she's racist, so that was a bad look for him, okay? Obviously, it was a bad look for her. In the Massachusetts GOP, each RSC district elects one man and one woman to represent the area on the committee. Kaufman is not only is not the only candidate on the woman's side in first Salford. Also running is Elizabeth Hans Ferrick, the assistant director of the State Department of Transitional Assistance. If you remember yesterday, I had an exclusive interview with Mr. Jordan Green, investigative reporter from Raw Story. He went undercover, found all of these um, cryptic um, group chats of adult white supremacist neo-Nazis telling minors basically how to get recruited and what violence to do in their local community. And he talked about their political alignment as well. But here's some of that interview. They tend to support Trump, um, although they are from the accelerationist uh, tendency of white supremacy. So one of their tenets is no political solution. So they, um, which inherently is violent, um, they want to overthrow the United States and they don't see really a purpose in elections. Um, I do think that as with other right wing extremist groups, they're going to try to exploit uh, polarization and division over the presidential election. You know, these group 2119, the teenagers, they really see MAGA as the baseline um, mm -hmm. and they want to see it move 
to move beyond it to something more violent. Um, I mean, I, I really think of January 6th as not a um, kind of peak experience for them, but as as the baseline, as I said. All right. Now, let's put up the picture of the candidate who says she will, in fact, win on um, March 5th. Let's put her up again, because I want to explain a couple of things here that highlights the reality of the conservative movement and the Republican Party. Uh, she is actually allowed to run. And the Republican Party is allowed by way of vote to disqualify from disqualify her from running for this position. It is contextualized inside of the party. So that hasn't happened. Doesn't seem as if it will. That's number one. Number two. Where are all of the Republicans who should be outraged that a neo-Nazi, understand what I'm saying? An actual neo-Nazi is running inside of their own political structure. Where are the voices inside of the conservative movement? Nowhere, because they don't want to offend the racist who vote for them. All right, Attorney Dina Dahl, thoughts here. And that's my thoughts exactly, because the fact is, is she's running to become a party leader. Right. Somebody who helps decide what candidates get endorsed, what platforms the party's going to endorse. The, the party leadership, I'm actually a delegate in the California Democratic mm -hmm. Party, so I have some kind of knowledge here. The, that infrastructure of that party makes a ton of decisions and a ton of influence. So although she's not a candidate, in some ways she can be maybe a little bit more dangerous because oh, yeah. voters aren't going to ever be able to check her. If she gets in, she's going to have like an outsized influence on yes. how the GOP will pick candidates and their platforms they're going to have. And the fact, like you said, that they haven't disqualified her is is super disturbing. I That's mean, right. her, her beliefs are scary, so extremely radical. Why you wouldn't have put out a statement, put out a disqualification is like, beyond me. And, and it shows the dysfunction in the GOP. I mean, they're almost a party of hate at this point. Trump definitely normalized hate. He's willing to be racist and sexist. And, and it seems like they can't even um, clean up, literally clean up their own house to get something as vile and disgusting out of this. Uh, shows how much they can. I mean, we see it with Speaker Mike Johnson not being able to literally govern. But then in this this small but outsized way, them not even being able to govern their own house mm -hmm. in Massachusetts when they're faced like that with it within. It just shows the complete dysfunction. And the problem is, is we're all affected by the dysfunction. If she were to win, all of the citizens in Massachusetts will pay a penalty for that. Very well said, um, and I agree completely. We'll bring you updates as they come. Uh, we will see if she actually does win that post on March 5th. All right, black couple now suing a bank. They were basically accused of fraud, tried to cash a legitimate check. Put up the picture full mass. I got a hell of a story for you, but it's not the first time we've been here. According to a lawsuit, 23 year old, Shanquise Jones, a 29 year old, Brian Kraft Jr., are suing 
Comerica Bank after they say branch, the branch in, Ron, in Rochester Hills, Michigan, denied them a chance to cash a $1,000 check. It was a $1,000 settlement check from the insurance company, okay? The check was drawn on a Comerica account. What? Yeah. The check was drawn on their account. But Jones says the suburban Detroit bank refused to cash her settlement check on four different occasions, alleging the bank employees discriminated against her family because they are black. The couple had filed the claim after becoming victims of a vehicle break-in and theft on of personal property in November. That's according to the lawsuit filed on the 16th. Jones said in an interview, with WDIV TV, that while she heard of banking while black, she never thought it would happen to her. Quote, I never got racially profiled before. So I walked outside and I was crying. It was embarrassing. Uh, and remember, these are young people, all right? So this is this is something that they, they've heard about, they've seen, reported about, but never thought they would actually experience. They have already been victims of a crime. They get the check from the insurance company. They go to the bank that the insurance company banks with, and they're told, no, leave. This is not real. Put it at full mass. This is from the local coverage. Uh, per the report, the lawsuit claims Comerica bank employees accused Jones and Kraft of trying to cash a fraudulent check. The couple is suing the bank for racial discrimination in the making of a contract and accuses the bank of violating Michigan's Elliott Larson Civil Rights Act. I'm gonna explain that, that actually protects against discriminatory policies and practices based on religion, race, uh, marital status, age, and other characteristics. In the lawsuit, Jones said she first went to the Rochester Hills Bank where she was not a customer, not a problem. The check is drawn on the bank. This was on November 21st. She went there with the settlement check dated the day before. She intended to cash the check and or open an account to deposit the check into a newly created account, the lawsuit states. Jones, Kraft, and her kids were the only black customers during each of the four visits to the bank that occurred between November and January. They went four times. On the first visit, Jones showed her identification signed the check and provided the requested thumbprint and written signatures. Quote, much to her surprise, the Comerica bank employee without any proper investigation advised Ms. Jones that they refused to cash the check or otherwise honor the check, the lawsuit states. The bank employee told her to contact the insurance company to get the check reissued. A similar scenario played out. The three subsequent times, Jones attempted to cash the newly issued check from her insurance company. Uh, this is according to the suit. On her second bank visit, she came in with a new check that listed the names of her, Kraft, and their six-year-old child. The bank employee, employee on that occasion said they could not cash the check because the child did not have ID according to the suit. And by the way, uh, banks are allowed to negotiate uh, when it's a minor on a parent's account. When things like that happen, they can make a judgment call. I looked at the rule. There's more, but their fourth, their fourth time, all right? 
This was on January 12th. The couple returned again with a fourth newly issued BAM check. Now insurance company got to be like, what the hell? Four times. Quote, Comerica Bank employees flatly refused to provide any banking services to Ms. Jones, Mr. Kraft, refused and they refused to cash a check, refused to otherwise honor the check and refused to open a bank account for them. The lawsuit claims employees then accused them of committing fraud and they confiscated the check because there will now be, according to them, a fraud investigation. Put it up for a mask. The couple's lawyer, Mr. Brandon McNeil, told WDIV TV that on January 24th, he tested whether the same issue would have happened with a customer who was not black. He said the white customer went to the exact same branch location with a settlement check for $1,000. And it was drafted on a Comerica bank account with no problems, none. McNeil also told the outlet Comerica Bank has effectively stolen their check and provided them no recourse but to file this lawsuit. You got to think about the irony of this whole thing so far. They jumped through hoops and loops they never should have had to. The damn bank knew this is their check. If they got a problem with it, they called the insurance company that holds an account with them. McNeil told Atlanta Black Star, in an email that read in part, quote, my clients did everything in their power to follow Comerica Bank's directions and provided ample proof. It is my hope that this lawsuit will deter any banks and financial institutions from racially discriminating against customers. Curtis C. Farmer, put them up. This is the chairman, president, and CEO of Comera Incorporated and Comera Bank. In a statement to Atlanta Black Star, Comera Bank said in part, quote, we take all allegations of discrimination very seriously. As reinforced through Comerica's core values, our respect for diversity and inclusion permeates everything we do, treating all colleagues, customers, and suppliers fairly. With dignity and respect as core to our behaviors, and any variance is not tolerated. All right, number one, he did not write that. A communications person did. Number two, uh, he did not address the actual issue of the discriminatory dynamics. And number three, that got you dead to the wrong CEO. The attorney is a sharp one. <clears throat> he provided the contrast necessary for this to be a slam dunk. What is that? You can't prove discrimination if you can't prove discrimination. He proved it. Somebody else who was white was able to do something that people who were not black, who were black, were not able to do. They got you. Good job by the attorney. Um, Dina Dahl, I got to applaud this attorney for getting the evidence in advance because typically you would have to go through a subpoena process to understand practices of the bank. They got it on record already. Naturally, I would assume that the insurance company was involved in that since they cut a check from the insurance company uh, to provide the opportunity. Yes, absolutely. Good job on the attorney's part. I mean, is so horrible that this happened to the couple and the woman's statement about how she cried afterwards. Yeah. You know, that hit me the most. Just that like dehumanization, that feeling like you are a respectable citizen showing up 
you know, working, getting your check, doing the best you can. And then you walk in and you get denied like that. And it's like, that's not okay. And this is why we have laws because people in this country can't always do the right thing. And I think between just our general discrimination laws and that specific act, you know, Unfortunately, they had to get a lawyer, which, you know, right. even as a lawyer, I think it's nobody ever wants to deal with a lawsuit. It's like usually the worst time in anybody's yep. lives. Litigation is horrible. So I'm sorry that they even have to go this far, but I hope they get a really big settlement as they yep. should. That's right. Damn right. And we will follow this story. Okay. Um, Don Lemon gets. Millions, put it up for a pass. Don Moneybags Williams. That's what he tells people to call him now. I, I made that part up. Okay, Don Lemon, the former primetime host of CNN, has finally agreed to a deal. And sources exclusively tell the rap that Lemon, 57 years of age, has agreed to a separation deal with CNN for approximately 20. $4.5 million, which would be the full complete pay from his final contract, with uh, which extended 3.5 years from his ousting, the rap is told. Lemming got in the crosshairs with CNN Brass when he moved from his popular primetime show uh, to the mornings. And I always said from day one, that was a setup uh, alongside um, host Caitlin Collins and uh, Poppy Harlow. He started Excuse me, he startled his female colleagues with his implication that Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley at 51 was passed or prime. I, I, I just, she is. Uh, the network dismissed Lemon uh, after his show in what he described as a termination. Quote, it's clear or it is clear that there are some larger issues at play. Lemon <clears throat> wrote on social media. He said that he was stunned by the news and was informed by his agent. Quote, I would have thought that someone in management would have had the decency to tell me directly, said, while under the tenure of former battle CNN chief, uh, he's gone now, by the way, uh, who was fired months later for being a horrible CEO. Uh, now, Lemon is preparing to launch a new show on X, performing in the next few weeks. The new program, The Don Lemon Show, will allow him to be bigger, bolder, freer. He says, the show will be available to everyone easily whenever and wherever you want it. Streaming on platforms where conversations are happening. This is just the beginning, so stay tuned. Reps for CNN and Don Lemon did not immediately respond to uh, for a comment. His attorney, Brian Friedman, did not comment either. I will tell you this, um, and you had to be there to appreciate the moment. So during the uh, festivities of last year's White House Correspondents Dinner, uh, Jenk and I, Went there. We went to DC. I went to a party, the CNN, and, and that's what it's all about. That's a bunch of parties prior and after. And one of these parties, CNN CEO walks in. He's the guy that just basically fired Don Lemon. He walks in, he has his crew with him. Okay. Uh, he talks to people, including myself and Jake, continues. And then Don Lemon walks in. Like he's the CEO of CNN. You should have seen it. It was amazing. I actually got a picture on my Twitter, on my ex account. And so he was unbothered. We had a good conversation. Somebody posted a conversation with Don Lemon and I on their social media and made a room about us starting a show together. We're not starting a show together, but I do appreciate the fact that he continues to move forward. All right. Dina Dahl 
this this is an interesting dynamic, right? He he got his full contract. There was no deviation, and that's what he uh, obviously that's what anyone wants in a situation like that. Pay pay me out. Three point five years is what he had. They paid him. Yeah, I'm actually good friends with his attorney Brian Freeman. Mm. Not giving any like. Uh, private information around this, but he is a really good attorney. And he has represented Macon Kelly and Chris Harrison and Chris Cuomo and their um, departure settlements, let's say, from their various networks. He is not somebody to mess around with. So I think between that and and the likability of Don Lemon was why they were able to walk away. I mean, to be able to not work, but get your full pay, that's pretty amazing. That is pretty amazing. And and he has a new show coming. So, all right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. Update to a story we brought you. Wesley Shiflett pulled a gun on other customers. We're talking about a cop who has been indicted, but has a history of trying to shoot people. Let me first take you to this. Got the radio. Urban two holding ten for us. Bloomingdale's plot lot. Blackmail going towards seven from fashion. He's crossing over. He's crossing over, guys. Get on the ground. Get on the ground. Going into the woods. Through the woods. Get on the ground. Get on the ground. Shots fired. Put up the picture for a mask. Let me explain to you the twists and turns of this. Wesley Shiflett, the former Fairfax County, Virginia cop who has been indicted for the fatal shooting of Timothy McCree Johnson. An unarmed man <clears throat> accused of theft, accused of stealing from a mall. You see, the cop, we have now learned, has a history of pulling out his gun at accused shoplifters. According to a report, the Washington Post, Shiflet has pulled his weapon on unarmed suspects on two other occasions, just days before the shooting involving Mr. Johnson. Officer Shiflett and another officer were investigating a man suspected of being linked to other crimes in the area. The man was inside looking at the shades in Bloomingdale's but left them behind because he felt the police were onto him, the outlet reported. He went to the parking lot, felt like police were onto him. He went to the parking lot and hopped in a vehicle with a woman in the passenger seat. When he attempted to exit, he was confronted by the same cop, Officer Shiflett, and his supervisor, Lieutenant William Arnest. It was at that time, according to the Post, which obtained footage from the Public Defender's Office, that Officer Shiflett pointed his gun into the passenger's window, which is insane, by the way. 
In a written report, Shiflet said he, quote, held it in a modified rated position while giving commands to the woman he claimed was touching her waistband, per the Washington Post. He added that he ordered her to keep her hand visible. Why would you be pulling a gun at people who you think stole a pair of sunglasses? The suspect who was not identified told the outlet, why didn't they stop me before I got into my car? Did they want to play superhero? The suspect was hit with theft and concealing weapon charges um, after officers found brass knuckles okay, in his possession, according to the report. However, they were uh, completely 100% dismissed. Brass knuckles, concealed weapon charge, DA said, what? Uh, in another similar incident, Officer Shifflett pulled out his gun on a man accused of shoplifting uh, in the mall. He was charged, but it was also later dropped. Officer Shifflett's attorney argued <clears throat> that those previous instances have no connection to this case, even though it shows pattern of conduct in days after the other. Whether he pulled a gun in the past didn't, it's just really relevant to the criminal case. That's what attorney Caleb uh, Kirshner said in an interview with the Washington Post. Quote, there are important reasons why police officers pull guns, end quote. Now, reminder of the Timothy Johnson case, this happened February 2023. Shifflett and another cop chased and shot at the 37-year-old Timothy McCree Johnson. This was near Tyson's Corner Center, popular shopping mall in the DMV area. It came after a security guard believed Johnson stole sunglasses from Nordstrom. Although both cops fired their weapons, Shifflett's bullet is what led to Johnson's death. He was terminated from the department weeks after the incident. Once again, there was no need to shoot. No cop was in danger. There was no threat of physical violence. Anyone else immediately in their proximity, none of the factors. They were not in imminent danger. None of the factors were present to shoot and kill someone, none, none. But he did it anyway and gets indicted. Initially, a grand jury did not indict Shiflett, but Fairfax County Commonwealth Attorney Steve Descano wanted to launch a new investigation. Shiflett was charged with involuntary manslaughter and reckless discharge of a weapon based on the decision of a special grand jury in October. NBC News reported, big ups to the attorney for making that happen too. Um, Ms. Dahl, a human being is dead because of sunglasses. Cop gets indicted, right? The attorney for the cop is arguing, but just because he, he pulled his gun out on two other shoplifters basically days before this happened, in clear, clear violation of department of policy and your standard protocol for addressing a shoplifter. Uh, this has no connection. Now, I'm going to ask you a question because I understand the qualifying rule of, of evidence when it comes to pattern behavior, which is an exception. If you can prove pattern con conduct or pattern behavior. But three times, two or three times, is that enough to overcome the rule so that you can qualify as pattern behavior? All right. Yeah, so the attorney saying that this isn't relevant, the fact that he did basically the same exact thing, pulled a gun out at other shop lovers, is just wrong. It is relevant. But as you said, um, not all relevant evidence comes in at a trial. And what a judge is going to have to weigh is relevance versus prejudicial. If it's yeah. more prejudicial than it is relevant, it doesn't come in. If it's more relevant and less prejudicial, then it then it doesn't. You know, that's the scale that they look at. And basically what it is is we don't convict somebody because they are bad people. Because you have done bad things in the past, 
it's not fair that maybe all of that comes in to convict you this time. And that's the protection. It's really supposed to protect the defendant. You could have been bad your whole life, but that doesn't mean you committed this crime. But if you did the exact or almost the exact same thing over and over and over, then it can come in, like, as you said, to show there's a pattern and that pattern makes it more likely that you committed this crime. So the the judge will weigh how close that pattern is, how relevant that pattern is against, is this unfairly prejudicial? Are you convicting somebody just because they're a bad person? To me, like we're early, you know, we'll see what yeah. else comes out, but it seems pretty close as a pattern to allow it. Yeah, in. Absolutely. And uh, I hope in the motion um, for the prosecution that they introduce the out of court statements of the attorney saying cops have to pull out their guns for various reasons all the time. All right, that makes it normative. Uh, so it's not prejudicial. All right, let's go ahead and put it in and let the uh, jury decide. I will utilize his comments in the motion. All right. Uh, Dina Dahl, always a pleasure to have you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. They can find me, Ask Dina Dahl, on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, and X. Yep, there it is. Thank you for all you do. Thank you. All right. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.